All right, welcome back to part two. As today, we're continuing our look at priorities and how we make some of those choices. How do we spend our time? So we looked at work, and I know it's probably a novel concept for many people to consider that you actually can think about God first when you're considering your work, um, how you spend your time, your career, your advancement, all those kind of things. It, it really does make a difference. But that's true in everything. Think about your family, even your, your health, your community relationships and responsibilities, uh, your hobbies, everything. How do you judge even little things like how much time do you give each one of these? Because that's part of our planning, right? <clears throat> if you want to live life well, you have to consider how much time to give to what activities. That is part of priorities. You know, a lot of people say if you want to know somebody's priorities, you need to look at their calendar, and that gives you a good idea of their time usage, but you also need to look at their checkbooks. That's where they spend their money. And those two things really do tell you what's important to someone. Well, how do you determine how much time to give to those? Because, I mean, it's, it's really interesting, and it? our life really is in many ways, a, a series of choices. I mean, I think about this a lot. Constantly, <laughs> we are making choices. Um, what time to get up, what you have for breakfast. Um, you know, are you going to go b- buy groceries on Tuesday or Thursday? You know, are you going to watch uh, a TV show or read a book? I, you just... You have a constant series of choices. You get to work. Are you going to check your email first or are you going to check your phone messages? Uh, Choices. I mean, life is really about the choices. You're going to do something every day and for most of the day, even if you choose to take a nap. I mean, that's a choice. (laughs) You did that. Um, I mean, sometimes we fall asleep. I've been guilty of that. That might not have been my choice. But maybe I chose the things that made me so tired that I couldn't stay awake, whether it was staying up too late or working too hard or exercising uh, too much. Or like yesterday, uh, an hour and a half shoveling snow, that was a little bit much for me. (laughs) But we make the choices. So you may only be spending too much time scrolling through your Facebook or Instagram, but that's still doing something. So the big question for many of many of us seems to be, what will I do with my time? So when we're asking about our, our priorities and thinking about planning in life, often we're not really thinking about the big picture. What we're thinking about is, uh, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, some things are driven by urgency. You, you're hungry, so you, you make something to eat. Okay, that, that decision your stomach helps you make. <laughs> um, your phone bill needs to be paid so you can keep the lights on. So that's kind of important. So you do that um, because you, you want to have the electricity on. Some choices we just we put off until they have to be done. We're very good at procrastination, or maybe that's just me. I'm very good at procrastination, and I think I'm not the only one. 
But after work and taking care of the urgent needs, the ones that you could not procrastinate and push off until tomorrow, um, how do you choose what to do with your life? It was interesting. I was uh, looking at a, I think it was a Calvin and Hobbes. And, you know, he has this, the neighbors, or is it his grandparents, the older guy and lady that are in the Calvin Hobbes a lot. I'm not sure how they're related, but the guy came in and said, after putting it off for six months, uh, I finally fixed the leaky faucet or something like that. And his wife said, so what did you learn from this? He said, well, that I can put off things for at least six months without doing any harm. <laughs> so I don't think he learned the right lesson. But that's often the way we go through. Uh, how, how can I put things off longer? <laughs> I don't want to do that now or ever if I don't have to. If you put it off long enough, maybe someone else will do it or the problem will just go away. And I think part of how we get there is not starting with the big questions. We're not living with intention intentionality and purpose. You know, I, I think to be intentional um, is one of those key things in life. You know, I, that's one of my favorite words. You know, to be, you need to be intentional. When you do something, be intentional about doing it. Well, that means, I mean, apply that to everything. We have in the United States a massive problem with um, our weight with general health and people that are unhealthy because of uh, their weight. And this wasn't a problem we had in the, the past, even not so distant past. And I understand that there are many, many factors that go into that. I think if you think about the ease of buying junk food and prepackaged food and highly processed food, <laughs> Uh, I, I think that contributes for sure. It used to be that we would buy actually fruits and vegetables and make things. <laughs> well, now we we buy things and heat them up, or we don't even do that. We go to a restaurant where things have been delivered there, and they heat them up for us. <laughs> you do realize, right, that a lot of your restaurants, they're not cooking. Uh, they're just heating up stuff for you, too. Um, now, a good one, they're still going to cook. But I, it is true that there's much more processed food, food that is just bad for you. And that's, that's definitely part of the problem. It's also true that we are not very intentional about the way we look at food. Uh, and I think, you know, it's, it's good to attack all the angles, but I'll, I'll leave off the other ones for now and just say... The food choices that you make, uh, you can go by what's easiest, which tends to be unhealthy, or you can go by what's best, which might take a little more work. Well, it's almost definitely going to take a little more work, <laughs> but we tend toward easiest. You know, we procrastinate. We don't want to get started early. It takes getting started early and doing some preparation if you're actually going to cook using real food. But being intentional means developing a plan so that you have the food on hand. So see that being intentional is not just saying, okay, it's, it's five o'clock, we're going to need food at six, so I probably should start 
cutting things up or figuring out what I'm going to make. It starts before that. You have to have looked at your week and said, I'm, I'm going to need vegetables. I'm going to need the ingredients for, for meals. <laughs> so I'm going to have to have those up in my house. So I'm going to have to go shopping. And then when you go shopping, you're going to be intentional about putting the things in your cart that you intend to eat. And it's easy, and I am guilty of this. You walk through the grocery store, and there's so many things that the packaging looks awesome. Uh, looks really good that probably are not healthy for you. They're not good for you. So you have to go and be intentional about buying the things that you intend to eat that you know are good for you. If you live intentionally, it affects many of your other decisions. And that's just looking at food. It's going to affect the flow of your week a little bit. You're going to have to plan to have the time to go and shop. You're going to have to plan to have the time to cook. You're going to have to think through what you're going to make so that you have a grocery list. You need to think through what healthy foods are and a balanced diet and all those kind of things. That's living intentionally. Now, take that and extrapolate it out over all of your life and you realize, you know, there's a lot of things to think about. And it does help, at least it helps me, to go back to the big question, why am I here? What does God have for me? Does he care if I'm healthy? <laughs> and I have answered that question, yes, um, on this show before, and I probably will come back to it again. I, I do think that God intends for you to be healthy. He made you, he created you to be a temple. Uh, and if you look at the the Old Testament and see how the Israelites were to treat the temple, how they were to care for it, how it was built, you realize that the place where God dwells, uh, He expects to be cared for. I think that that applies to us too. So you can't shy away from some of these big questions. You know, God has something for you. God has um, a purpose and you can't shy away from asking about that purpose if you want to live life well. Now, assuming that we're on the same page and you accept that God is there, He really does care for you, and He really is doing something in your life as well as the world around you, then you have your starting point for answering all of the other questions about life. You can ask the question, I, I need a new car, or I need another car. I would question whether anybody really needs a new car. <laughs> I am biased heavily against new cars. Um, but when you go to ask that question, I, I need another car. Do I need a new car? What kind of car do I need? Do I need a car or a truck or a van uh, or a motorcycle? What do I need? Well, if I go back and say, what's God doing in my life? What's God doing in the world? What's God doing in my church life? I might answer that question in some unexpected ways if God really is part of that process from the beginning. I, I think there are people who are single who would benefit greatly from buying a minivan <laughs> and being part of church life and ministry and being able to take people and, and do things in that way. That's a different choice 
made in a different way than saying, well, I need a vehicle and I really like sports cars and I can afford one, <laughs> which I've never been in that place. So <laughs> I can't relate to you if you can do that. I, I do think when you back that up and you're saying, what's God doing in my life, in the church life? What gifts has he given me? What are the needs that I see? What are the needs that I could meet? And how does my car relate to those? You may ask the, answer the question differently. I know we've talked about this some in uh, Japan. They have these little trucks called K-trucks. They are uh, about 600cc engines. They're not very powerful. They're not very big. <laughs> They're like a little... Remember the old uh, small Toyota Nissan trucks when they first came out? They were just um, small little trucks, not a lot of power, but you could carry stuff around. Good gas mileage, very handy. Kind of like that, only smaller. <laughs> well, several of us have bought one of those. So that was my vehicle in Japan for a long time and found it incredibly helpful for ministry. Uh, there'll be people that need to either buy something and take it home, so they need a, a truck, or they're cleaning up and they need to uh, move things, or they're getting rid of something and they need help. So in, in many ways, it wasn't great for carrying people. It would It would fit two people as long as they were not too big. <laughs> it was very small. But it was great for uh, carrying things around in Japan. So a couple of us have made that choice to say, well, rather than another small car that might hold four people, at least a few of us having one of those that are available for the community is really handy. So make those available for the church family. Say, hey, if you need something, let me know. Uh, that was a choice that several of us made, not based on, well, this is the absolute best for me, but this is best for what God is doing in and through me and my church family. We do make choices differently when we consider who God is and what He's doing and where He has us. One of the ways to think about that is how did God make you unique? What gifts has He given you? How do they fit into what God is doing in the world and in your church? Now, if you think about that, in many different areas of life, you have unique gifts. You have gifts that maybe right now your church family's not using. Maybe they don't even know that you have. And I think that's true a lot of times. Uh, one of the unfortunate things, I think, in a, a lot of our churches that are, are just very traditional is that we always do the same things the same way. But there are people in our churches that have gifts that would allow us to do some of those things that we know that we need to do better or differently or in a way that might be um, more efficient or more effective because of gifts that people in the, the church have. I know a lot of churches have uh, very basic websites, but there probably are people in the church who could do much better. There probably are some high school kids in the church who could do better with a website than is done right now, but we don't think about it that way. We don't look at how we can involve everyone and their gifts and their interests and their abilities. Uh, we, we should. And today I'm not really thinking so much about the church at that level, but you need to think about that. What are your gifts? How do they fit in? Uh, you may need to be the one that goes forward and says, hey, here's some skills that I have. How can they be used? 
or here, here's a need that I see, or here's an opportunity. Maybe it's not something that's an overt, an actual need, but there's an opportunity based on the gifts that you have. You have to consider how God made you and how you fit into the world and what God's doing. Now, I don't want to get too far away from what I always am telling you. You have to spend time in God's Word. And we come back to this now because as you're asking the question, what's God doing in the world? How did God make me and what's, what's my purpose? All those kind of things. You have to be anchored in God's Word. That's how you learn who God is. He tells us very clearly what He's doing. He tells us a lot about how He made us and how people are to be part of His plan. He he gives us the information that we need to be transformed. So to spend time in God's Word consistently is a foundational way of going through your life and maintaining good priorities because you should always look at it and say, am I doing what God asked me to do? Because if not, it doesn't matter how well you're doing at your career or with some of the other things in your life if you're, you're not really obedient to what God is saying. So we have to spend time in God's Word actively reading and considering, God, how are you growing me and changing me and using me to build up your church? Uh, how are you using me to be salt and light in my family, in my community, in my neighborhood? Bible reading is a, a fundamental, foundational part of that. Now, right along with that, prayer is hugely important. And in this context, I'm not talking about prayer where you're praising God or asking for prayer requests, although both of those are really important. But I'm talking about a different kind of prayer where you're, you're chewing on that truth that you've read about, and you're talking to God about what He has to say. So that's different than praising God, although as you learn who God is, that does lead to praising God. It's also different than prayer request because sometimes we just have a specific prayer request. God, I need to know, do you want me to take this job? Okay, that's, that's legitimate, but that's not what I'm talking about here. We need the prayer where we read the passage and we say, God, what does that mean? How does that look in my life? You know, based on who I am and how you've made me, how do I live that? What does that look like? And I, I think it's worth going through uh, the one another's this way, particularly uh, in the context of considering the church family and how the church fits together. It's really worth considering talking to God about what each one of those one another's looks like based on who you are and based on your church family and the Christians that are around you. How do you live out those? And what I find many times is that a lot of us will learn that we don't have a good enough relationship with some people in our church. We need a little better relationship to live out those one another's well. But as we, as we prayerfully chew on that, as we talk to God about what He's done, what He is doing, how He has worked in the past, how He is working in my life now, and we're asking about how He's wanting to work in the future, we're, we're just kind of talking about that to God. And I think that kind of prayer is incredibly value. 
valuable. It's something we should do more often. Now, along with that, as you spend time reading God's Word, you're you're learning more about Him and what He loves, what He hates, what He's doing, what He wants us to do. You're spending that time in prayer, chewing on um, what He says and how that looks in your life. The other part of that that I keep coming back to is this church family, the community that we have. We do need to spend time pursuing meaningful relationships with other people who are Christ-centered, who have committed their lives to following Jesus and to um, pursuing a relationship with them. So we're, we're working together to see God glorified in both of our lives. In, this, in a similar way to spending that time praying and just chewing on this truth with God, I, I think it's worth chewing on some of that truth in community. And really, that's a lot of the value of small groups. Um, I don't know how you do it in your church life and community, but I really do believe that we have our larger worship services, or you may call them celebration services, or the large church gathering, whatever you want to call it. I think that's important. That's usually the time when we're going to have our preaching, we're going to have truth being presented, and and we're challenged to, uh, to confront our life with what God has to say. We're able to spend time corporately together, uh, praying and asking God to use us corporately to be uh, His body in the world today. It's hugely important. But parallel with that, I think it's, it's important to have the smaller groups where the individuals are able to have these conversations and saying, these are some of the things that I've been reading or maybe even have come from the, the preaching, but I'm seeing this truth and I'm seeing my life here and they don't match up and I'm, I'm struggling with how to make my life match up with what God says. It's a couple of ways that the conversation needs to go. One is it, there needs to be, hey, we're going to pray for you because the Holy Spirit works. If you're recognizing this, God's doing something in your life, that's awesome. We're going to pray for you. Let's do that now. But also... This is a time where we teach each other. You know, one of the one another's is to teach each other. We, you only do that in a worship service. You, you, big celebration, whether your big celebration has 50 people or 1,000 people, you're not going to spend a lot of time teaching each other during that time. But if you have a group of four, six people, you can actually share, hey, let me share with you how this has worked out in my life. And none of us are doing it perfectly, but a lot of times these People who are imperfectly doing it together really do uh, help each other. We're able to share how we understand this passage or how we have practiced it. Or maybe, hey, I I knew somebody one time and this is how they approach this problem that you're having. So spending time intentionally chewing over how we're living out God's Word in community like that is incredibly valuable. And the small group, uh, I, I think, is critical, I think, really, for the church. I don't know how you get around it. it we really have to have that. I think without that, um, church members need that, so they're looking for that some someplace. And most people are going to find some kind of that close community that they rely on. And the unfortunate thing is, it's if the church doesn't provide it, they'll find it somewhere. 
and maybe with unbelievers, but they're going to talk over their life and what they're doing and may get terrible advice and may give terrible advice. <laughs> but um, the church has to be part of that that conversation of this is who God is, this is what He's doing, and, and this is how I see Him working in my life. So now as you work on your top priorities in life, pursuing God, developing the character of Christ, that transformation in your life, and you're building healthy, Jesus-centered relationships, then one of the questions that you're trying to answer is what actions do I need to consistently pursue over time to do well at life? And particularly in those big priorities. Every big priority will require that you do something consistently and doing something consistently over time really is how progress is made. We do it imperfectly. We fall and get up. But we think about pursuing God. It's, it is a lifestyle. It is a life choice. Um, as Paul talks to the church at Corinth, you know, one thing's really clear. He really considered them saints. He called them saints and understood that they were genuinely saved. But he also said, boy, you guys are doing terrible. <laughs> there are many things that they did not do well. So he challenged him to do better in pursuing God. When he talked to Timothy, um, he recognized Timothy had certain tendencies or weaknesses or trials or struggles, and he challenged him and encouraged him in those. But he encouraged Timothy to consistently make good choices, to pray, uh, to spend time teaching the truth, uh, to do the things that would help him and to do those consistently over time. So if you're interested in developing a plan, uh, a comprehensive plan for your life that carries you over the next several years where you're, in, you're intentionally making progress, this is the question you're, you need to answer. What are the actions that I need to consistently pursue over time to do well? Uh, those big priorities are going to be important for you. So I would encourage you, as we draw to a close today, sit down and think about your big priorities in life. Now, I've, I've given you a few, but I, I don't know your family situation. I don't know your work situation. Um, many of us have different things in life that we want to do. You know, I, I like to write occasionally, so I'm working on a book. So one of my it's a priority or a goal that I, I want to get this one book finished and I keep struggling to have the time to do it because it's not a high enough priority. So it's something I want to do, but it's not important, important enough to displace other things on my list, right? But it is on the list. So my encouragement to you is to make the list. What are the things that you see God doing in your life? What are the opportunities for ministry that you have? Who are the people in your life that are or need to be priorities? And how do you relate to them? And I think that's going to be important as we go forward. And we will come back next time and we'll look at some ideas on developing some ideas about coming out with these actions. I, I really like the process of brainstorming and working through all these things. So it's fun for me. So thanks for joining me. Keep thinking about what God's doing in your life. How are you focused on abiding in Christ in the middle of a busy schedule? Well, it's not always easy, but <laughs> you need to keep doing it. Check out the Run With Horses Facebook page. Leave a comment. 
ask me a question, and keep running.